This is all theater. This is all just political theater. Political theater. Political theater. Pure political theater. Theater. Political theater. The nefarious, significant, and protracted political, political, political theater for political theater's sake. I yield back. From Washington, this is Political Theater, Roll Call's review of the spectacle of politics on Capitol Hill and across the country. I'm Jason Day. Anytime Attorney General William Barr talks about the Mueller report, it's a big deal. It's a bigger deal when Barr does that under questioning and under oath by the Senate Judiciary Committee. It's an even bigger deal when the night before, someone leaks a letter that Robert Mueller wrote to Barr questioning the AG's conclusions about Mueller's report about Russian interference in the 2016 election. And then you add three presidential candidates on the Democratic side, Amy Klobuchar, Cory Booker, and Kamala Harris, who are eager to make a good impression with Democratic primary voters by putting President Donald Trump's attorney general in the hot seat. Big, bigger, biggest. And we haven't even gotten to the word snitty yet. Joining us here at the Capitol is CQ Roll Call senior Senate reporter Niels Lesniewski, who covered the hearing and filed four stories all in the same day. He's going to lead us through some of the highlights, lowlights, and just plain weird moments of Barr's testimony and his sometimes testy exchanges over everything from Rod Rosenstein's place in the Justice Department masthead to whether the word spying is pejorative, and also whether his good friend of three decades, Bob Mueller, was snitty. Welcome, Niels. Thank you. So, uh, you know, this this is a fairly high, uh, highly dramatic moment. We're getting used to these, I guess, in the last few uh, few years. Uh, but a lot of tension in this in this hearing started around 10 a.m. The attorney general was a little bit late. Uh, we should we should note uh, uh, in starting the hearing and they broke for lunch. So it wasn't a f- solid five and a half hours, but it was pretty cl- I mean, good, pretty good, close to about four, four and a half. Uh, it, at times, he got a little testy uh, with some of the Democrats questioning, uh, although some of the Republicans also asked some tough questions, too, notably to Ben Sass. So let's focus first on these three Democrats, though, who are running for president, Kamala Harris, Cory Booker, Amy Klobuchar. Uh, how do we think they did? If, if their intent was to, to stand out and look good in, t- in front of potential primary voters in Iowa, New Hampshire, South Carolina and so forth. Uh, how did they do uh, individually? Well, I, I think that the sort of winners, if you're if you're scoring uh, along here, uh, are probably Klobuchar and Harris, mm-hmm. uh, which shouldn't really be a surprise. They're both former prosecutors. They're fond of saying that on both here in the Capitol building and out on the campaign trail, mm-hmm. uh, and each one of them tripped up. Uh, Mr. Barr, for perhaps different reasons, mm-hmm. uh, there was there was a long exchange uh, between Klobuchar and Barr uh, that I wrote about because he seemed unfamiliar with the major election security legislation that's been kicking around in the Senate now uh, for a couple of years that Klobuchar uh, has sponsored along with James Lankford, a Republican mm-hmm. from Oklahoma. Well, I will I will work with you uh, to uh, enhance the security of our election, and I'll take a look at, at what you're proposing. I'm not familiar with it. Okay, well, it is the bipartisan bill. It has Senator Burr and Senator Warner. Its support from Senator Graham was on the bill. Senator Harris is on the bill. And the leads are Senator Langford and myself. And it had significant support in the House as well. 
And and so the fact that Barr was unfamiliar with that, to me, uh, read like poor staff work, frankly, because it's the kind of thing you should be prepared for when, when there's a member of a committee who you're testifying before who's the lead sponsor on a major piece of legislation. Mm-hmm. She might ask you about it, so it she seemed might. kind of odd uh, there. Uh, and then the exchange, this exchange with Senator Harris, it was notable uh, as well. I wouldn't, I wouldn't. Uh, yes or no? Could you, could you repeat that question? I will repeat it. Yeah. Has the president or anyone at the White House ever asked or suggested that you open an investigation of anyone? Yes or no, please, sir. Um, the president or anybody else? Seems you'd remember something like that and be able to tell us. Yeah, but I'm, I'm trying to grapple with the word suggest. I mean, uh, there have been discussions of, of matters out there. Did uh, Mr. Rosenstein review the evidence that underlines and supports the conclusions in the report, to your knowledge? Not to my knowledge. We accepted the statements in the report Did and anyone the characterization in your, of the evidence is true. Did anyone in your executive office review the evidence supporting the report? No. No. Yeah, that was that seemed to be I mean, there were different times where Barr uh, was either kind of quiet or he pushed back against uh, he pushed back against Pat Leahy, had kind of a, a couple of uh, of uh, good sessions with Sheldon Whitehouse uh, over over different issues. But this was the first time that he seemed to stumble. And Harris seemed to, you know, was seemed to be in control of this conversation. She shut him down and said, I'm I'm done. I'm you know, no, stop. I'm asking a question. Uh, And he didn't have a lot of answers about this question of whether the deputy attorney general, uh, you know, and uh, and he had gone through the evidence or not, and then also the status of the ethics questions about whether or not somebody, Rod Rosenstein, who could have been a witness in the the investigation, had been cleared by the ethics committee. Overall, it didn't, he, he did not come across like he was prepared for that exchange. No, and, and, and maybe that shouldn't be a surprise because, because Rosenstein's uh, ability uh, to continue to oversee the investigation was not something that was really a question that had come up nearly as much previously, uh, but it was it was certainly something that was relevant to be on the table uh, mm-hmm. given given his uh, connection, particularly as it pertained to you know a lot of it, but particularly as it pertained to the firing of Jim Comey, mm-hmm. because it was this memo from the deputy attorney general that spelled out the argument for whether the former FBI director, uh, Jim Comey Comey should lose his job. Mm -hmm. And, 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 and sort of there's, there's long been suspicion that this was all a subtext, uh, on the part of, of president Trump Mm -hmm. that it wasn't really about the way he handled the Clinton email investigation. Uh, but it was nonetheless, uh, interesting to see it raised uh, today in this fashion. And I, one thing, just just to you know, to emphasize it again. I mean, Klobuchar before coming to uh, the United States Senate in 2006, she was the Hennepin County District Attorney. That's the the county that surrounds Minneapolis, St. Paul, that that area. Uh, and uh, Kamala Harris was the Attorney General for the state of California, uh, so largest state in in the country. So they both have um, these sort of crime fighter cross-examination chops 
which they seem to use quite effectively uh, in, in, in their questioning. I, I should also note that Klobuchar did get an extra question where, where Harris and Cory Booker didn't. Uh, the, uh, Lindsey Graham, the chairman of the committee, uh, said that there would be a second round. Uh, he was trying to manage some votes over in, in the Capitol itself uh, so and, and some other people's hearings, So and the, and the committee had gone along. But he gave a few Democrats some extra time, and Klobuchar got one of those extra questions. Harris and Booker did not. So she got a little extra. <laughs> yes, and, and, and took full full advantage of it there uh, at the end. You know, the point about both Klobuchar and Harris being former prosecutors uh, with the and lawyers uh, contrasts with Cory Booker, who right. has um, it's not often that you say, well, he's just a Rhodes Scholar. Right. <laughs> but that is kind of the reality here, uh, that he has a different background uh, coming up through his mayor of Newark and in the Senate than do uh, Klobuchar and Harris. And, and his exchange uh, with Barr was... Meandering. Meandering. I yeah. was relative to the other two presidential right. hopefuls, uh, was not uh, at the same sort of level, but it was also the sort of exchange where it's possible that when we go back and listen to this tape over and over again down the road, it may have been so convoluted that the attorney general may well have said something in that exchange that he should not have said, but it's not the kind of thing that anyone will instantaneously recognize. Right. There wasn't a there certainly wasn't a gotcha moment or anything like that. I mean, not that this should be about gotcha moments, but Booker did not have a very crisp line of questioning for the attorney general. And then he just, his time ran out. And, and again, time is precious in here. Right. That's always one of the things that people need to be aware of. You know, sometimes you'll have senators happens more so in the House because senators are generally experienced enough to avoid this. Uh, but one of the things that you see sometimes in hearings is people have the red light go on. They mm -hmm. completely run out of time before they've even gotten to a question because right. they are pontificating so much. Uh, senators do like to talk. Uh, but it was so that's one of the things that everyone needs to be be aware of in the, the way these hearings go. Uh, it was not really a surprise the people who got uh, sort of to the the crux of the argument. Generally speaking, Richard Blumenthal and Sheldon Whitehouse, both former prosecutors, prosecutors also. also from from Connecticut and Rhode Island, uh, maybe the two characters with the most similar backgrounds on uh, the committee. They're both sort of patrician. Former prosecutors. That is an understatement uh, that they are patrician. <laughs> the uh, I, 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 w there was this remarkable moment. I mean, this didn't have so much to do with. I mean, Sheldon Whitehouse is not running for the White House, but Sh Whitehouse, as you mentioned, is a former U.S. attorney in Rhode Island, uh, and he had this moment. He one, he got a dark money question in, uh, asking about whether uh, his very first question was, would an unamount uh, un unregulated amount of money uh, that you didn't have to disclose, could that be used as something to, um, you know, influence an election untowardly if you were, like, say, a Russians and funneling money to a super PAC? So he got that question real quick, which is a kind of a pet 
cause for him and then quickly segued in to his own questions. And then there was this like it was almost like the smart kids vocabulary derby uh, between him and Barr. <laughs> uh, you know, at one point, uh, the White House said, I don't know why you're cavilling about this, uh, which almost sounds like a Yiddish word, but actually it's an old it's an English word that means to to pick things apart uh, in very trivial manners. Uh, and then the, the attorney general said, I'm not going to abjure uh, on, on the report. I mean, th- these are you know, this is like it, did they just finish an SAT prep class kind of uh, vocabulary questions. <laughs> and it wasn't really a surprise that either the attorney general or Senator Whitehouse would go down that pathway. One of the other interesting lines of questioning that, that you pointed out in the, the open, Jason, was from Republican Senator Ben Sass, mm-hmm. who was asking, uh, and we may have a clip of this, who was asking about Oleg Deripaska, the Russian oligarch, and his relationship with Paul Manafort, mm-hmm. the former campaign manager for for Donald Trump, and and uh, who has is now uh, under federal custody in, in prison, uh, uh, thanks to Robert Mueller's investigation um, that uh, Manafort was. Uh, it was it was not a very particularly pleasant uh, exchange for uh, between SAS and and the attorney general. I would hope there's clarity from the Department of Justice about whether or not Democratic campaign presidential campaigns and whether or not the Trump reelection campaign are allowed to say, hey, we're interested in this hacked material going forward. I think we need to have clarity about a question like that. Uh, and that came from the Republican side, as you said, Ben Sass is a Republican from Nebraska uh, and has has voiced his sometimes disagreement with the president, so maybe that's not surprising. But it wasn't it wasn't all just you know familiar lines from Democrats and Republicans, and I think that's a pretty notable exception there. And going forward, we're going to be looking to see now uh, whether or not uh, Robert Mueller actually gets called before the Senate. Uh, At the very end of the hearing, uh, in the hearing room, and to reporters who were gathered outside, Lindsey Graham, the chairman of the committee, was talking about uh, how he's going to send a letter asking whether or not Mr. Mueller wants to refute any of the accounts of conversations and exchanges uh, between himself and Attorney General Barr, and over over Mueller's letter to Barr or their subsequent phone conversation, uh, it's it's almost like an English chamber piece. It's like I'm going to send a letter about your letter, sir. <laughs> and we would assume Graham has said repeatedly that he thinks this is the end of it, as far as he's confirmed. The Mueller report is over, mm-hmm. and and Donald Trump is vindicated, but. What happens when a letter from the special counsel, Mr. Mueller, to Mr. Graham is leaked? <laughs> right. I have this no, will not end. Will I have end. <laughs> no idea whether or not the correspondence will normally be released through the normal channels. Uh-huh. But the way this is going, inevitably, if in fact... Mueller sends a letter back saying, hi, Lindsay, I would like to come testify. Well, we'll all find out about that, too. Some of the context also, Niels, is that um, Mueller and and Barr have known each other for, uh, you know, according to the attorney general, at least 30 years. Uh, And, you know, there's this again, this letter, which, again, 
the thing that was very interesting to me is when when Dick Durbin, the the Democrat from Illinois and the Senate Minority Whip, said was asking Barr about the letter, and he says, you know, why do you think he sent this letter? Attorneys don't usually put anything in writing unless they're very serious about it. And then later on in the in the uh, in the hearing towards the end, uh, and when Barr was asked about the letter and the phone call, subsequent phone call with Mueller, that he said that he called, he, he characterized the letter as, uh, you know, it, the letter's a bit snitty, and I think it was probably written by one of his staff people. It's snitty, uh, another great Barr vocabulary word, uh, and. And then and said, I'm sure somebody on his staff wrote it. <laughs> and then and then he called and he said, and when he's asked what he what he said to him, he says, Bob, what's up with the letter? <laughs> I mean, this is a pretty extraordinary behind the scenes stuff. <laughs> it's it's remarkable. It's a reminder of how long, for how many decades, these these two men have have known each other and worked together on and off in the Justice Department and just traveled in the same Washington legal circles. The same uh, Republican circles, too. It's and good, the same Republican worth circles. Worth noting, they're both Republicans. <laughs> and it's just been sort of remarkable, that exchange at the end uh, that you mentioned, in which uh, the Attorney General characterized the letter as snitty in an exchange with, with Richard Blumenthal. I know of no other instance of... But he was also a political appointee, and he was a political appointee with me at the Department of Justice. It was sort of... A remarkable end because it's not often that you got to wait until the tail end of a hearing to get the, the soundbite where the good stuff happens. But that may be what happened uh, at this hearing on Wednesday. And one more sort of extraordinary thing from that exchange, too. And this wasn't the very last exchange, but the, the, at one point, um, you know, the the. Uh, Attorney General, again, somebody who I have a new respect for his his the way that he is able to explain or not explain words. I mean, he referred to uh, Mueller as uh, well. He's a political appointee, uh, referring to his his appointment as the FBI director and also when he was heading the criminal division in the Justice Department under Barr. But Barr himself is a political appointee. I mean, this is this is a political setting. Everybody's elected to offices or confirmed. Rod Rosenstein was confirmed to be the deputy general, attorney general. This is all a political appointment thing. And he seemed to use it as a pejorative, which is interesting because he was talking about how other words were not pejorative. I mean, in, again, with Sheldon Whitehouse, he said that the word spying, which he used to refer to the surveillance on Trump's campaign, as not pejorative because he used to work at the CIA. <laughs> Well, that was amazing, too, because it's it's uh, not certainly the case that if you're someone like Carter Page, you're certainly reusing the term spying as a pejorative. And, and other uh, members of Congress, uh, the particularly pro-Trump Republicans in, in Congress, certainly use uh, spying as a pejorative on a regular basis. But not us old spies like Bill Barr. <laughs> spies like us. Uh, you, could, you could hear uh, Bill Barr saying... Well, Niels, um, I, I, you know, this uh, again. This was uh, a good four and a half, five hours of uh, pretty high political drama. Uh, thanks for helping us break down. Thank you, and thank you for listening. You can subscribe to this podcast uh, wherever you happen to get your podcast, whether that's iTunes or Spotify, uh, or you can just even ask your house, ask Alaska, Alexa, how to get political theater or to bring up political theater, please, Alexa, or whatever wherever your smart house comes from. Uh, 
you please also take a moment to rate us on iTunes. Uh, we're going to be doing more and more of these podcasts. Uh, we're doing this one from the United States Capitol. That may be why it sounds a little different, uh, but we're going to be all around, and we hope that you join us on our journey. In the meantime, thanks for listening. <laughs>